the rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. I am Reed Lutanen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council, and this is Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council, sponsored by Open Payment Network. This time we'll be sitting down with friend of the show, Peter Davey, venture partner at Alloy Labs. Peter and I talk about how financial institutions can succeed with instant payments, why send is so important, experiences from around the world, and his new obsession, not new, his obsession with Dave Matthews Band. But first, as you know, it's time for some headlines. The FPC Spring Member Meeting will be at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin Hotel Resort in Orlando, Florida, March 27th and 28th. Registration is open at FasterPaymentsCouncil.org, and while you can, of course, stay anywhere you like, we have a special member rate, and you can get special park perks if you stay at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel, and that will be a really good thing when you join us for our evening event at Epcot Theme Park, co-sponsored by Identify. So head over to FasterPaymentsCouncil.org to book your room. And a big thank you to all of our spring member meeting event sponsors, Aloya Corporate Federal Credit Union, Finsley, Form 3, Identify, Jack Henry, MyTech Systems, North American Banking Company, Shazam, The Clearinghouse, and Trustly. And if you'd like to add your name to this list of sponsors, please reach out. There are tons of sponsorship opportunities still available. We've expanded the agenda for our member meeting to allow for more opportunities to hear from fellow members and to network with friends and colleagues. And if you're like me and you're looking for any opportunity to get on a few rides at Walt Disney World, we've got a micro site to grab discounted park tickets. That one was included in the FPC newsletters you've received in recent months. And if you can't find it, just shoot us a note at memberservices at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. I use that site to buy park tickets for my family since we'll be going down for spring break, and I saved quite a bit compared to the published prices. Also, as I just mentioned, this is going to be spring break. It will be a busy time in terms of flights and hotel availability, so book your travel early. FPC members, you should have already gotten your renewal notices, and we are so excited to continue working with you to advance the FPC's mission of safe, easy-to-use, ubiquitous, faster payments. If you're listening and you aren't a member, now is a great time to join. 2024 is going to be a huge year in faster payments, and the FPC is the center of that action. Head to FasterPaymentsCouncil.org to apply for membership. Membership includes access to members-only content, unlimited access to work group activities, members-only webinars, the ability to run for our board and vote for board members, and unlimited attendance at our twice-annual in-person member meetings. Okay, that's enough of the headlines. Let's get to that discussion with Peter Davey. We are joined by friend of the show, Peter Davey from Alloy Labs. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reed. All right, let's let's jump in because we have a lot to cover here. It's been a while since you've been on. Your role, of course, has changed. Um, so why don't we start off with some big picture stuff? You've obviously been involved with this journey for faster, or now we're calling them, I think more specifically, instant payments for years. And now you've moved out of the clearinghouse 
but you're still working with and talking to financial institutions in this new venture. So when you're talking with them and advising them, what are you telling financial institutions when it comes to their instant payment strategies? Yeah, funny you say a few years. Uh, I was just thinking about it uh, this morning. Uh, this real-time payments journey, instant payments journey, I've been on for over a decade now. I started in 2012. Uh, when we talk about faster in general, um, it started in 2006 when uh, we were working at Capital One to develop this uh, bilateral ACH exchange that ultimately became same-day ACH. So, um, been a been a bit of time. I'm I'm, I'm surprised it's been uh, it's gone so fast. Huh? Um, so, you know, I think uh, generally as we're talking to financial institutions, I think there now is this coalescence around people understanding that they potentially need to be on this whole thing from a received perspective. They at least need to enable their customers to drive these transactions. And, and you know, credit to the Federal Reserve, you know, with Fed now, I think that is uh, given them some power to, you know, kind of make those decisions at the top of the house for most of those financial institutions. Um, however, you know, I'm really focused in on how do we actually get volume on these networks. Um, the real value to the customer at the end of the day is the ability to execute or send a real-time payment transaction or instant payment transaction. And you know, most of these financial institutions don't even have the ability to send ACH today in many cases. They're relying on third parties to do that. Um, they haven't necessarily offered out same-day ACH as a product, although we're starting to see more and more get uh, kind of moving toward that direction with their partners. Um, but very, very few, uh, especially in the mid-sized community banks and credit unions, have actually driven toward the send side. Um, and that's the reason we're not seeing you know, the tremendous volumes that I think we'd expect to see with these new technologies in place. Yeah, and I would sh I would assume you bet you talked quite a bit about the U.S. and a bit about the Fed, um, but I would assume that this analysis and what you're what you're seeing is you know you're not ba basing it only on what's happening here in the United States and what you've seen with predecessor payments platforms here, but also on assessments of what's worked and maybe what's not worked in other markets that have that are ahead of us when it comes to instant payments around the world. So, you know, what have you seen in different markets that, you know, we need to be thinking about here? Well, it, I think the first uh, that we have to at least call out is the fact that most markets don't have two systems uh, in place that they have to, that the end users have to decide to choose to use. Um, the U.S. was also late to the game in many cases, although Canada is still uh, falling behind us. Uh, one could say that uh, they've had uh, sort of this, pseudo instant payments for some time with Interact, but you know they really haven't developed their new platform yet. And the RTR platform is somewhat stalled at this juncture. Um, I think the big thing though, looking across other countries is just the amount of work that each country has put in. And it, and it varies by country. Um, you know, Sweden and India tend to be the best examples of countries that have driven down into adoption, but they also have a uh, prohibition on leveraging currency. Uh, so they're trying to get rid of cash in those countries and they have specific government mandates to try to drive that forward. Um, from an open banking perspective, India is probably the best example. You know, when they set up their UPI in India, they went and sort of full-fledged said, hey, let's embrace other people coming into our system and helping to drive traction within UPI. Uh, and I think you've probably seen some of the news recently with Google saying that they're actually going to help try to expand like they have in UPI within other countries. Um, 
we had Zell, we have RTP, we have FedNow, we have same day ACH. Uh, so we have a myriad of choices that I think other countries haven't necessarily put in front of their end users. Um, and we also have the challenge of the number of financial institutions within the U.S. too. So we're relying on each of them to come on in their own market, uh, in their own time frame, uh, whereas other countries just don't have the significant number of financial institutions or the expanse to be able to drive that geography. So those smaller geographies, those local geographies make it a lot easier to drive scale. Um, but, you know, th there are still many countries out there that are in the infancy of adoption. Uh, you look at uh, countries like Germany, um, you know, they're very much still stuck on the batch side of, of the payments end. Uh, and they're starting to now advance into consumer real-time payments, uh, which just has somewhat been absent from the country uh, for, for a period of time. I don't know. I think it feels like batch just seems to fit the German mentality, right? Like it's very regimented and be on time and get your get your payment in before the batch <laughs> goes out to the processing hub, right? Um, you know, and <laughs> Peter, we don't we don't have, at least I don't have a beer right now since it's you know, 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. I'm assuming you probably don't either. Uh, but I nope, am just coffee. Word, but I am gonna use a word that probably should be part of a drinking game in our space, and that's standardization. Um, you know, as you're talking to financial institutions, what are you hearing in terms of the need for standardization in this space? Well, yeah, I think we've talked before that standardization comes in a couple of different forms. Uh, and, you know, I just mentioned the fact that we have all of these different capabilities in the U.S. Um, you know, we've moved generally from what had been the predominant two standards in the country, which was ACH file format and ISO 8583, which was the card format. ISO 8583 is still a fairly robust and widely adopted format to an ISO 20022 format. So one version of standardization is the formatting structure of the files in the exchange. And that's what makes it easy for one party to be able to accept the message from another party, right? Um, so you need that base level of standardization and that infrastructure is in place, even between FedNow and RTP on the ISO 20022 path, and then now with WIRE coming on uh, in the next couple of years with ISO 20022, we'll at least have all of the real-time payments infrastructures on the same messaging interface. The issue then comes down to the implementation of those messaging interfaces and who has what capabilities. So, uh, you know, the FedNow and RTP have both set the bar fairly low for users. They've said, hey, just come on and accept a credit message. All right. Well, that doesn't really drive adoption of the full set of tools. So if we go back to why we did this in the first place as a country, you know, going all the way back to the Faster Payments Task Force, we built out brand new payments infrastructures so that we could have a modern infrastructure for the 21st century. And in that, we've only implemented one eighth or maybe one tenth of the entire capability that needs to be implemented across the country. So as we move forward for standardization, there's kind of two paths of standardization I want people to think about sort of beyond the ISO 20022. One is the consistency of implementing all of the messages within each of the various different financial institutions that are out there and the platforms that are out there. That actually now helps us to expand and build products within the space. The second set of standardization is kind of that rules standardization. Um, and I 
rules is a bad term, but you know, both the Federal Reserve and the Clearinghouse have slightly different operating uh, rules in place for their customers. And that causes immense amount of confusion among people trying to develop new capabilities. Uh, in fact, many people don't think that the systems are interoperable because of the fact that there are slight derivations within those uh, operating infrastructures. Um, in reality, from a technical perspective, they're very much interoperable. Um, even from mainly just the surface rule side, they're mainly interoperable. But I think we need to work on the marketplace standardization for how do you actually leverage both systems at the same time. And that's going to take the clearinghouse and the Federal Reserve kind of getting over themselves and uh, actually collaborating a bit more so that they can actually drive the adoption of the market infrastructure. And again, I'll take us back to the Faster Payments Task Force with some of the things that were pushed out of that uh, body of work, which includes the uh, alignment of the Faster Payments Council, right? Um, but out of that body of work, there were some uh, standards that were put in place and there were some um, sort of guidelines that really said that no, what, no matter how many infrastructures there are out there, we now have two in the US, that those infrastructures need to be compatible. And I think the Federal Reserve and the Clearinghouse are failing on that dynamic right now because they're competing head on in a marketplace where we just need to work together to drive the adoption of instant payments. Yeah, well, okay. And so you you covered part of this question just now, kind of suggesting what the what you think the Fed and the Clearinghouse should do on this front. But what about what about other folks in the space? And I guess I'm thinking maybe primarily about service providers and fintechs. You know, what, sh what, what should they be doing to take what you just said and applying it to their own business? And obviously, feel free to cover other personas as well, if you like. Well, I think as we take it down a level to the technology providers and integrators that are out there, you know, part of it is that they also have to see the full vision through, which is implementing all the message, implica uh, message uh, capabilities within their products. Uh, part of that is upgrading their products that their customers are using to include the ability to uh, actually drive a real-time payment transaction forward. Uh, the second thing though, is opening up their walls a bit. You know, we're still a very walled garden society and unfortunately not everybody is going to rely on the vendor that they've used for the past 20 to 30 years for online banking to do everything new for them. And I think there's a need to open up the APIs across all of the various different uh, providers out there so that financial institutions have some flexibility into how they actually integrate these new capabilities for their customers, which may mean partnering with a fintech, which may mean partnering with an ERP system uh, and allowing for that direct integration for the customer to, to, to streamline some of those processes. So it really, it's not just, you know, the... Clearinghouse and uh, the Federal Reserve clearing things up and clearing the air on how to actually leverage these capabilities. But it really comes down to we need more people to be able to build products on top of these things, which means that you just can't have three or four companies uh, being the reliance for 10,000 financial institutions in the U.S. to build out new products. Um, because the standard product that's been available for 20 years is just not going to cut it in the environment of an integrated and connected ecosystem. All right. That's all all good stuff. Um, I think good advice there for various players. But uh, are you ready to play a game? 
Sure. All right, you've been on before. You know how buy or sell works. I'm going to throw some stuff out there. You let us know if you agree and buy or disagree and sell and then tell us why. Uh, starting with this one, implementing send is really more important than people are giving it credit for in a predominantly receive-only world. Buy. Absolutely. Shocker. Um, yeah, shocker. I think all my comments before kind of lead to the fact that this is a complete buy for me, and I think everybody should buy on this one. Um, it, it's so important to give people the opportunity to leverage these new capabilities and figure out how to integrate them into their processes. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually had a thought while you were talking earlier, and it's that receive only is kind of like having a pager when everybody else has a cell phone. It's <laughs> a great one. I like it. Uh, well, you know, welcome to the, the for 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 those for those new people to the payments industry, uh, they may need to look up pager. Yeah, have to, uh, sometimes called a beeper. Um, how about this one? Instant payments are inherently more fraud prone than paper based payments. Oh, complete sell. Big sell. Uh, yeah, complete sell. I, you know, the one thing is handing your routing number and account number to somebody else, right? Um, you know, the same type of fraud happens in cash that we're seeing on the systems right now and people getting duped, right? People get duped all the time. Um, it doesn't matter the modality. It happens across all the rails. Um, but I would say that generally, when I look at instant payments, specifically, not just faster payments as a category, but instant and real-time payments being credit push only, even across other geographies, we see much lower rates of fraud, true fraud going across the rails. It doesn't mean that there aren't scams. It doesn't mean that people aren't being duped, but that's a different problem on the entry of the transaction, not necessarily a problem of the of the rail. Yeah. I think just in sort of tacking onto that, I think given the like the dramatic, I think, increase we've seen in check fraud over the last number of years, instant payments present a real opportunity to fight that fraud by getting your customers onto something that isn't putting a piece of paper in an envelope and mailing it and hoping that nobody steals it along the way and then uses it to to, to steal money from your account holders. Uh, all right. How about this one? Uh, the seasons matter for sure. The seasons of the year matter, but there is no wrong season for a well-made IPA. That's a complete buy. Total buy. I know a lot of people Total have stout season, all that stuff for sure. You know, right now it's cold and I would enjoy a nice stout, but never would never would turn up my nose at a at a fine IPA. Well, I used to think that, you know, winter was for the American IPA, summer was for the uh, hazy IPAs as they came out. But, you know, I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a really good juicy hazy IPA with a little bit of dankness on it. Yeah. Or you know what? A nice crisp West Coast after after mowing the lawn. Absolutely. Um, there is more of fraud. There's more fraud occurring through RTP and FedNow than we think. Buy or sell? I'm going to sell on that one. Um, I think the networks. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of fraud happening on FedNow right now, given that they're not uh, they're not even publishing uh, transactional numbers at this at this point. Um, for RTP, I think they've been very uh, transparent about you know what the fraud numbers are and the losses are. Now that being said, are there is there more fraud occurring across all payment networks than is being reported out there? Absolutely. And again, I'm not talking about fraud on the rails. I'm talking about things that customers are coming to their financial institutions and claiming are fraudulent. Um, we have, we actually have a fraud problem in this country with people not being fully transparent about all the fraud that's happening. 
Uh, and that needs to be fixed. If we want to fix the fraud problem or the you know, the uh, scams problem in this country, we have to be honest with ourselves as financial institutions and start reporting those numbers out or at least sharing them among ourselves uh, to try to fix that problem. Yeah. And I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for a minute because I think something that we as payments professionals need to do, not just professionally, but also just in our personal lives is destigmatize victim victims of fraud. Like if somebody in your life tells you that they were victimized by this or they haven't told you, but you think maybe they were, create a place for them to feel comfortable and safe to talk about that and make it known. Like the less, the less we know about this, the worse off we all are. And I think there's a lot of sort of victim blaming that happens here. Or how could you fall for that scam? Like, look, people, these are sophisticated things that are happening. We all know that, but I think we don't necessarily bring that home with us in a way that um, I think could really, you know, sort of help not only it professionally, but also help your people you know and love a little bit. Um, okay. Off the soapbox, back to buy or sell. Fed now will have a thousand financial institutions on the network by the end of 2024. You know, I, I think I could buy that one. Um, you know, I, I think they're making good progress on onboarding, um, you know, with RTP being out a few years ahead of Fed now, they had really paved the way for financial institutions to connect through their third party provider. There's a couple of newer third party providers that are out there, like the Finsleys of the world um, that are really in, in the OPNs that are actually starting to give people an alternate way to connect in. Uh, so I don't think there's, I, I don't see any reason why both networks won't be at a thousand by the end of the year. Um, but I don't think that's the right metric to look at. Uh, you know, uh, we can all pat our, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think we already know what you're, what you're going to go with. Uh, the answer to the next one is the answer to that previous question matters, buy or sell. Uh, sell. Yeah. And, and 100%. Um, <clears throat> so as I was, starting to get into my soapbox, you know, patting yourself on the back for onboarding a bank, especially, you know, I look at the Fed now folks and I go, thanks. Good job getting the network up and running. You got it live a little bit before you thought you were going to have it. That's good. Bad news is we're already behind by now four years because there has been some stalling in the industry, but the wrong metric when you already have a mature payment system within the country that you're competing about is number of banks connected. The right metric is number of transactions that are moving between those financial institutions. So for both networks, you have to get away from patting yourselves on the back for a number of people you've onboarded and start patting yourself on the back for the number of them that are sending. And this goes for RTP as well. They need to continue to move past just the large banks to encourage send side between other parties on that side too. So um, it, I'm not going to vilify the Fed. It's on both networks. They both have to mature a little bit more and focus on what really matters. Yeah, I, I will push back a little bit because I think there probably is a network effect tipping point somewhere where you get to a certain critical mass of received points and it makes it more worth your while to send. So I think, the, I wouldn't say it's worthless to talk about adding so to the network. I, I don't disagree with the premise of that, that optically people go, well, I'd rather send to 100% than send to 65 or 70%. When you really look at it, what RTP established even two years ago with having 65 to almost 70% of the entire industry, like number of uh, users online, um, there was already a very ripe environment in most cases to be able to drive the send side. Uh, honestly, it had to do more with the readiness of the 
businesses that need to start originating these transactions to really drive value on the network. And I think that maturity has gained over the last couple of years with education, with them going through and implementing new technologies. So again, I don't disagree that optically having number of banks on there is important. Um, But I would say that we now need to focus in on the send side use cases and making sure that we start to drive more volume over these networks. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's why where we get to my next buy or sell prompt. And that is, so we had about about five years in or so RTP announced that they had passed 500 million transactions on the network. Buy or sell that they're going to have 500 million transactions this year. This is a hard one for me um, because I'd love to buy this one. Uh, because I'd love to see that happen. Uh, it, it would it would actually show that the industry is maturing greatly. Um, I will say that I got I'm gonna stick by sell right now though because I feel like we're still a few years off from being able to see that type of volume on the networks. Uh, and a lot of it just has to do with what we talked about in the last part, which is readiness. Um, businesses are still getting ready. They're still adopting new technologies. And I don't think we're going to see the large scale adoption uh, of, you know, you know, 500 million in a year for probably the next two or three years. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that I sold inappropriately, but uh, I think I'm going to have to sell on that one. Uh, hedging his bets. Either, either way, he gets to be happy. Uh, either he's <laughs> correct or he gets what he wants. Uh, all right. Taylor Swift in Sweden will be the best show you see this year. Oh, I hope uh, I hope Sydney's not listening. Um, but uh, I would say I'm going to sell on that one. Although my guess is it's probably going to blow my mind. So um, I think uh, I think uh, Dave Matthews will be a a better show this year. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, uh, and maybe we'll go see a few other ones. All right, and a follow up: worst part about any concert is usually the beer selection that they make available. I'm going to have to buy generally on this one. Um, and I, I I would have to caveat a little bit because it really depends on the venue. Been to some really great ve- music venues that just have a phenomenal selection. But I would say the majority of it is lackluster. Uh, yeah, so. you, go to a, you go to a big arena concert like you're going to see with Taylor Swift or Dave, it's going to be it's going to be slim pickings when it comes to, to good beer. Oh, so did, if I go see Taylor Swift, isn't it just going to be all boba tea? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all the Taylor fans out there, but. Uh. <laughs> all right, Swifties, don't don't cancel us. Um, all right, let's move we, on. We like back. Travis Kelsey still, so it's okay. There we go. Yeah. Um, I mean, Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the lightning round before we get uh, in big trouble here. Uh, biggest advance in payments we will see in 2024. Yeah, I think this one is going to be a greater advancement of APIs uh, and integrated with uh, with businesses. And that's the only way we're driving volume on these networks, honestly, uh, and moving volume from legacy capabilities onto the new capabilities. So I think that's going to be, we're going to start to see that trend. Totally agree. And some good stuff coming out of our API work group. If you're interested in checking that stuff out, fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Click on the Knowledge Center. Uh, biggest impediment to progress with instant payments? 
Um, I would just say the Fed and the clearinghouse not coming together and aligning for how people should think about using those networks together. Okay. Good first step for financial institutions interested in developing an instant payment strategy. Uh, just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> put put some things on paper, put it in front of your board. And uh, if they laugh at you, just keep putting it in front of them. So. Uh, how many times have you seen Dave Matthews Band? Uh, 75 times, uh, 13 times last year, uh, which is was was insane. Um, just happenstance that we ended up being at all these multi-day concerts with, uh, with Dave. Um, no, Dave doesn't know me personally, for those who are out there. There's people who have actually been to 500 or 1,000 Dave Matthews shows. And yes, they're awesome given the fact that you can see a two or three day concert and not hear a repeat of a song. So uh, that's why we go for the experience and for the randomness of the the music that's played. Uh, it's, it's great energy. I saw him once at Memphis in May, about 20 years ago. Uh, so I'm a little bit behind you. Something coming soon in payments that people should be excited about. I think the open banking piece uh, or what I call connected banking is probably the most exciting opportunity. Uh, it actually, I think, will help, help to fully rationalize the capabilities that we've built out with RTP and FedNow across the U.S. And uh, kind of doubling down on that API side, once we open up the walled garden of banking, I think customers become more satisfied uh, with their financial institution and the processes. And I think financial institutions will actually profit more. Uh, because of the degree of automation and the less reliance they have on, um, you know, handholding transactions across the, the road. All right. And something you would like to use faster payments to do in your personal life. I would love to be able to pay all of my bills with, uh, with a instant or real-time payment uh, and actually see the full transparency of it leaving my account and being posted at the biller. Um, I just think that's such a cool thing uh, to do. I've already done a, a uh, RTP A to A transaction and an RTP P to P transaction. So now I really want to do a bill pay transaction. All right. That's a, that's definitely a hot use case. Um, Peter, any final thoughts before I let you go? I think for the, the financial institutions out there that are still struggling with how to get this prioritized and move forward, you have to really look at receive as a table stakes capability. And if you're on the path right now to figure out what to implement over the next couple of years, focus in on going live with send and receive at the same time. You'll have enough people in front of you that have done that uh, and uh, enough examples, and you'll see a lot better value to your customers uh, if you do that. All right, hey. And get involved with the Faster Payments Council. There you go. That's that's the most important part, right? Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, Peter. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Reed. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again to Peter for joining us. And don't forget to register for the spring member meeting at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. Talk to you all in a couple weeks. Yeah.